Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 37 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today, and with me, as usual, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Eric? Good to be back on. It's another good day to talk prospects, dynasty. It's never a bad time. I always say that, and it's never a bad time. We're here on July 4th. There's fireworks popping in the background. <laughs> it's a great day. It's a great time to record a podcast, you know, the, the night of July 4th. But we're here. If you hear some fireworks popping, it's probably me because people in my neighborhood are shooting them. But, hey, it makes for the fun of it and the experience of recording a podcast on the 4th of July. Welcome yep. to the Tool Shed. Welcome to the Tool Shed. That's right. You know, 4th of July, Independence Day, America, baseball. It's a great combination. What's more America than baseball? And any of you out there thinking football? No. No, baseball. Baseball is America's pastime. Always has been, always will be. Yeah, but like Chris said, we have a great show today. We're going to be talking some dynasty buy lows or maybe to not buy low. We'll be discussing whether you should or not. We're going to do all hitters and pitchers today. We had so many names we wanted to talk about. We decided to split up into two episodes. So we'll do hitters today and pitchers next week. Maybe we'll have a guest on next week. We'll see. But before we get into today's show, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review there on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews do mean a lot. And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at just $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month. So let's sign up today at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And of course, be sure to check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the network, including our other two baseball podcasts, Five Tool and SP Streamer. But all right, Chris, let's get into this week's episode here. We'll start off with some little bit of news and notes because there was some pertinent prospect news over the last week. And then we'll get into our to buy low or not to buy low segment here. We'll kind of break it up. We'll do some uh, prospects after the news and notes before the break. 
and then come back and talk some MLB hitters after the break. Let's get into those news and notes, starting off with the – let's get the bad news out of the way. C.J. Abrams out for the season, unfortunately, fractured his left tibia – uh, should be tip, yeah, tibia, and then sprained his left MCL. So he's gonna be out for at least three months, which puts him through the end of the minor league season, unfortunately. And he was, you know, having a good but not great season uh, in Double A, uh, slashing 296, 363, 420, 14 doubles, 13 steals, but only two home runs. And if I recall, those two home runs came early. But still, you know, a very good season for one of the top prospects in baseball. So this is another another bummer. We lost, you know, Corbin Carroll, another top 10 caliber prospect earlier in the year to that shoulder injury. Now we lose C.J. Abrams. Chris, what were your thoughts on just his injury in general and your, your thoughts on Abrams, how he looked this season? Yeah, I mean, I think he's not been overly impressive. I think what he's done has been great considering he's at double A at 20 years old. You know, he's significantly younger than most players at his level. And you mentioned 296, 363, 420 slash. So pretty impressive. Not the power that we wanted to see, but still 13 stolen bags, two caught stealings. Overall, the plate discipline looks good. I liked what I saw. I think that he's a bona fide top 10 prospect. He's in my top, close to top five, I think. It's tough. I mean, you obviously want to see more development here. But I think this could create a good buying opportunity. When guys aren't playing, when their names aren't being brought up all the time in a dynasty league, this is where you strike. So this is an opportunity, in my opinion, much like Carroll. I'm not going to say you can buy low. Like we're going to talk a little bit about that, but he's gonna you're gonna have a good buying opportunity here. Someone's gonna get impatient. He's not playing the rest of the year. You could swoop in. I would be buying all day with Abrams, even if it costs you full price. Like I think he's legit. He's yep. worth being on your roster for sure. Yep, him and Corbin Carroll. I think if you can get any sort of discount on either one of them, I definitely would do so. And you know, with that, going back to that power we were talking about, you, you look at his some of his uh, splits here. His fly ball rate was only thirty two point three percent this season. Ground ball rate not too high, forty three point five. Line drive twenty four point two percent. He's just going to the opposite field a lot. Thirty nine point one percent opposite field rate, only thirty two point eight pull. 28.1 to center. So not really that spray chart and ground ball, the fly ball ratio, not really conducive to a lot of power there. I still think he's got the raw power to get up near, you know, you know, 18 to 20 home runs a year, you know, but I think he's had a little bit more bulk at the ball in the air, a little more consistently, maybe pull the ball a little more um, to get to that power. But yeah, definitely buy low if possible on CJ Abrams and, you know, another, Top prospect that we won't have to be able to see until 2022, unfortunately. But uh, another you know, injury here. Hopefully it's minor. We don't have any real details on it yet. But it was reported right before we came on this podcast that Bobby Wood Jr. left AA Northwest Arkansas's game with a tweaked ankle. So hopefully that's just minor because if that turns into something major, you know, he's had a great year hitting for power, hitting for speed. The average after a you know, slower start really ticked up. You know, what, what have been your thoughts this year on Bobby Witt, Chris? Because he's looked really impressive to me after that slow start. I think so, too. And I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen him promoted yet. I mean, he's just absolutely tearing up double A, like you mentioned. Hopefully he's not hurt too bad. You look at the stat lines, hit 13 bombs. Stolen 13 bags. He has been caught eight times, which is a little concerning, but at least he's aggressive. I like the aggressiveness. 299 batting average has been great. 
369 OBP, 560 slug. Across the board, he's just been killing the ball. You watch him, he looks comfortable. He looks dialed in. And much like he did during spring training, which many thought he could break camp with the team and with how he was dominating in spring training. So, you know, Witt's one that's definitely, you know, he was already a top 10 prospect for me. He looks to be one that can move up even more. And so hopefully the injury is not too serious and he can get back on the field. I don't think we see him debut this year. I'd be surprised at this point because with the protocols for COVID, they have to be in AAA before they can be promoted, which is interesting. So still in AA, I think it kind of shows – I don't think they're interested in, in calling him up this year. I think it would be a waste on their part. They're not contending. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. I've all long kind of hated the business part of the prospect part of baseball and kind of spoken against it, but I do see it here. Small market team. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them to bring him up right now and start his clock early because they know if Bobby Witt's you know kind of career trajectory ends up like we think it could be, he's going to be you know a big ticket free agent, you know, commanding a lot of money down the road here. Something that Kansas City probably will not be able to afford. You know, he's probably where I go to the Dodgers or the Yankees or, you know, maybe the Red Sox, that'd be great. Um, but one of the big market teams. So yeah, it doesn't make sense for them to kind of start that service clock a year early. I don't think they want to rush with either. I, I don't see any need to rush him. Just let him, you know, dominate triple A, double A, maybe promote him triple A later in the season. Let him get a little bit of taste there. Start him in triple A next year, then bring him up, you know, May, June or so kind of like the Jared Kelnick, Wander Franco t- uh, kind of um, timeline here. So yeah, I really don't see him being up this year either. I want 100% rule it out, but I just don't see it making a lot of sense for Kansas City, uh, that organization. Uh, moving past some onto some good news now, Julio Rodriguez and Garrett Mitchell both promoted to Double A this week. Uh, J Rod earlier in the week and Mitchell a few hours ago. Uh, we've talked about J Rod, you know, ad nauseum too. But Garrett Mitchell is a guy I just I love Garrett Mitchell. I moved him up into my top ten dynasty prospects today like i it was time for me like i can't see any reason why i shouldn't i know i know i'm definitely the highest around on garrett mitchell others don't have him top 10 yet that's fine but through his first 28 games 119 plate appearances in high a slash 359 504 620 12 extra base hits five home runs two of which came today he went four for six today with two home runs Five home runs, 12 steals, 22.7% walk rate, 25.2% strikeout rate. Both these guys are very, very exciting prospects here. So, Chris, what, you know, how close is, is Mitchell getting close to top 10 for you? And then my other question for you here, I guess we can talk about here for a little bit too. Once Wander and Kelnick graduate, you know, Wander probably within the next, you know, what, month or so. And Kelnick, once he's back up, it'll be another week or two after that. He'll graduate. Who's gonna be number one? Like, there's a, you know, maybe a lot of people say J. Rod, Luciano's in that mix. You know, um, Bobby Witt, C.J. Abrams is like a handful of guys. So, you know, who do you think when we're doing our pre, you know, our preseason prospect list in like February, March of next year, who do you envision is gonna be number one? Is it J. Rod? Is it Witt? Who do you have? You think so? Right now, off the top of my head, I think Luciano. He's been. He started really slow, and he's just been tearing it up. You know, J-Rod's definitely right there in consideration. The hit tool looks 
every bit the part. He's shown power, everything you want to see. Like he's, he's not stealing, he, stealing some bags this year right. too. He's, like he's not six a, steals. Yep, he's not a blazer, but he can steal bags. Yeah, he'll so, be that 10, 10 to twelve steal guy. Yeah, I think he's a, a 30 10 type player in the future. And shoot, if he can hit three hundred, I mean, dang, that's gonna play all day. That, which, that's a that's a high floor right there. He's at one yeah. of the highest floors in baseball. I think so too. And it's funny because you know, I think back in twenty nineteen, I remember seeing him early on in the season. It was before he was much of anything, just kind of a little bit of talk. And I thought he looked pretty impressive. Then it was before I wrote or anything. So I didn't have like a voice to put out about him. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean he's totally blossomed like I thought. And you look at what Luciano has done as well. And you know the batting average isn't quite as impressive, but he's hit 14 bombs so far. You're not going to really get the steals with him, but he is running. I mean he's he's stolen three bags and he's been caught four times. So I like the aggressiveness at least. Mm-hmm. The plate approach, the OBP skills are really good with Luciano. And he's got the average up to 278 after a really slow start. Again, he's at single A, which is, you know, low A, which is a little bit different. You know, J-Rod at now going to double A, which does make a difference. But still, I think, you know, either of those guys plus Wick could fight for it. It's hard to argue against what he's, what those guys have all done this year. For me, I think it might be Wit. I don't know. Like, this that power speed blend, and he's showing, you know, improvements with the hit tool, with the approach. It's, it's, there's not going to be a clear cut number one. You could probably look at several different sources and, and rankings, and you'll probably find four or five different answers or, or different players ranked number one, I should say, next year. But I think if everything kind of stays the same this year, I can see Wit being number one, just you know ahead of you know J Rod and Luciano. I can see Marte getting up in that mix. I don't know if my boy Garrett Mitchell can get up quite get up into that mix, but. I think he's definitely going to be top 10 next year as well. Uh, Torque, I don't see Torque quite getting there just with, without the speed aspect. And, you know, maybe the hit tool isn't quite as great as we thought it might be. So I, I think he, I think he's kind of like where he's going to be. Like 6 to yeah. 10 range, I think, is a very good range for him. That's kind of like where Andrew Vaughn was, uh, similar types of players. So um, definitely a lot of intriguing names here that could be number, number one after – Kelnick and Wander Franco graduate and Wander hit a bomb today too. Uh, so did Kelnick too. Uh, so hopefully you get Kelnick back up soon and Wander looks like he's turning it around. So that's great to see. Uh, last bit of news and note here, the team USA roster for the Tokyo Olympics that start. Uh, when do those start like two weeks or something, right? Like third week of July. I forget the exact date, but uh, the upcoming Tokyo Olympics, the 2020 Olympics, they're still calling it 2020, even though it's happening in 2021. I guess they like want to keep it every four years on the number. But the roster was announced, and everyone kind of figured Jaron Duran would be on it. He's not, and Shane Boz is on the roster. That, that was kind of a, a little bit more surprising one. So with Jaron Duran not on the roster, you got to figure that he's – that means the Red Sox are going to call him up pretty soon. That's kind of what I'm taking away from this. And the Red Sox desperately, desperately need him. Even though Kike Hernandez has kind of heated up a little bit here, they could really use Duran. But at the same time, I'm not like crazy about putting a rookie in the leadoff spot. We saw how that worked with Kalnick. Didn't work out so well. Duran's a different type of player, obviously. But just getting that extra spark in the lineup because it's basically the big four for uh, you know the Red Sox of Verdugo, Devers, Bogey, and J.D., and then the rest of the lineup, you know, Renfro is kind of up and down. Vasquez is up and down. Everyone else is mostly down. So you thinking that this means Duran's coming up soon? So 
time to stash him in redraft leagues? Yeah, possibly. And I was totally off board with stashing him before this news because I just didn't there was no point. Like if if he was gonna be in Tokyo, I really didn't see a way he was making it to the MLB roster this year. But I think that now it looks like a possibility. I haven't read anything that says it's imminent that he's getting a call soon, but you you have to be a hit, right? So if unless you want to spend all your fab at this point of the year, you probably are, you know, getting lower on it. It's worth him going ahead and being stashed now if you have the spot. So yeah, and, and I would say in twelve team or deeper leagues in redraft, he's worth a stash and shoot in dynasty if he's somehow not on. You got to get him. Absolutely, Duran's going to be. He reminds me of Jacoby Ellsbury. I, I hate to make these lofty comps, but you know, especially Ellsbury when he was showing more power. I think Duran's got more raw power than Ellsbury did. Um, did but obviously, I think less speed. Ellsbury had, I think, a seventy steal a year in there. Uh, I forget what year it was, but yeah, Duran definitely has the upside to be a fantasy impact player right away. That power has continued and stayed. It wasn't a mirage last year. It was in the Mirage early season. It has been consistent. No ups and downs with him so far this year. K rate's been okay. Uh, people are worried about the K rate, but it's not too bad. It's been around like 25-ish percent most of the season. So definitely looking forward to, for both fantasy purposes and Red Sox purposes, getting Jaron Duran up. But let's move on here to our Dynasty buy low or to not buy low segment here. We'll get some prospects first off. But before we get into the names here, let's kind of talk about like, the best way to go about, you know, making a you know, buy low offer or a buy low trade. Cause you put a, a tweet kind of similar to this the other day, Chris, about, you know, kind of trade etiquette, so to speak, like don't send this like a crap offer. Like if someone is looking to get rid of uh, what's the name here with Mackenzie Gore was, you know, don't offer like two top 300 guys back into your prospect pool type of guys. Like don't send an insulting first offer. Cause that's just not going to make anything helpful. You know, talk talk it out. But what what are some of your thoughts about kind of going about making a buy low offer, Chris? Well, it's tough because it's uh, it's kind of obvious, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're going right. for a player, let's say like Labor Torres right now, it's kind of obvious that you're going to attempt to buy low. So naturally, the owner's guard is probably up already because it's like, well, like there's a reason that they want him right now. And it's because he sucks and they think they can get him cheap. But when it comes down to trading, like I really think that, it, like you said, it's important to communicate. Don't send blind offers. And if you do, like if you want to send a blind offer, that's fine. But like put a note with it and just say, yeah, like say, hey, like well, what would you want back for this player? Who would be some guys that you'd be interested in on my side? And talk it out. Like it's easier to communicate that way. Like if you can text or DM or chat through the fantasy server, whatever it is, it, it really helps. And I think. You know, when you're going about a buy low, especially in that sense where in today's standard, like it's impossible, it's almost impossible to buy low and sell high. It makes it, it's really tough because we have so much data. There's so many outlets putting info out and it's hard. Like Jeremy Mercedes, you couldn't really trade him for a ton, most likely in most leagues because people are smarter than that to know that like that wasn't legit. But how do you effectively do it? It's tough, but you need to go into it with a mindset of how can I benefit the other owner, right? So how can I help them while also potentially getting a good return on investment on this player that I'm buying low on? So let's say Glaber Torres, who's been absolutely terrible. If you're wanting to buy low on him, how could you benefit 
that other person, the guy that has him right now on their roster. How could you benefit them without paying full price? I think is the way to go about it, but not being ridiculous about it. Like you're not going to go and offer Ben Gamble and <laughs> random prospect outs of the top 250 for Glaber Torres. It's just not going to happen. I don't know why Ben Gamble popped in my head, but that's just what came <laughs> to my head. It's a, it's a random player. <laughs> right. He, he came to my mind. So that's what I went with. But you, you don't throw an offer like that. I was insulting, and the owner's not going to want to trade with you. So it's important that you go about it in the right way and discuss it and talk it out and find a way that you can help them. So let's say, I don't know, maybe you could offer a Tyler Molly who maybe the, the guy needs a starting pitcher. And while Molly's been up and down, like he's been good. But if you traded him for Glaber, like Glaber could get back on track and give you a huge return on investment. While I don't see the upside that, that Molly has. So it's some, some way to go about like that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the saying help me help you comes into my mind in this episode, or even just in trading in general. And like, you know, Ian Khan has, has stressed this a lot, having that conversation. And obviously sometimes it's, you know, you're in a league where you don't know everybody else. Like it's not an industry league or a league with your buddies. You know, maybe it's a, a Yahoo public league where it's 11 other people that you don't know. But like Chris said, basically every platform I'm pretty sure has some way to communicate. Like I know Yahoo has some sort of message, like a messaging type of thing through uh, their their app. I don't use it, but I know it's there. Um, so both my Yahoo leagues are home leagues. I have my, you know, all my buddies te- cell phone numbers, but you know, or, or whether it's, you know, every, I know Yahoo does and Fantrax does where you can send a note with the trade offer, something being like, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. You know, if you have other thoughts, let me know. It's having some sort of dialogue. You don't have to like get on the phone necessarily and have this long hour conversation with them, but just, you know, talk it out. So it's not this blindly sending offers back and forth because that usually doesn't result in a trade being done. Um, so, but moving on to some players here, we got, uh, all the players we're talking about tonight are a mix of some guys that we put down on our list. And then we kind of reached out to the Twitter world and got some names from there. People want us to talk about, so let's get into the prospects here. We got four prospects on the list, Christian Robinson, Nolan Jones, Jeter Downs, and Joe Adele, who, you know, is a kind of a sort of a prospect depending on what outlet you look at, uh, Let's start with, you know, or pick any one of these. Chris, out of these four, which one would you be looking to buy low the most right now? Like, which one would you be, like, your number one target out of these four? Hmm. It's tough because uh, they've all, in a sense, been struggling a little bit. And I would say Adele, because I think Adele has the most upside, in my opinion. I agree. You know, he, he's got the swing and miss concerns. There's going to be some batting average risk there, but... You know, the power's legit, and I think he's got more speed than he's shown, you know, as far as stolen bases. So I'm going after Adele, like, if that's a possibility. And, you know, the, somebody may want to get rid of him cheap. Like, this is kind of nuts, but before this season in a dynasty league, like, we drafted this a 20-team dynasty. And literally right after the draft before the season started, I flipped Adele for Jack Flaherty because someone was still that high on Adele. So maybe you find someone that's that high on him. Maybe you find someone that's soured on him. It just depends. But, you know, you might could, you know, get them way cheaper. Like get them with somebody that's like a valued in like the 100 to 150 range. I don't know. It'd be tough, but it'd be worth seeing at least. So Adele would be the one of any of them that I'm buying in on. No, I totally agree with that. Adele was the first name I was drawn to there. Because, you know, I have a, in one of my two home leagues, my home keeper league, I have a home redraft home keeper league. 
we keep 10. And right now he's not going to be one of my 10. Like not, my 10th is like going to be like Corbin Burns or something like that. He's not even close to being one of my keepers, but I just don't want to drop him because of the upside. And I, I know if I drop him, he's going to come up next week and start hitting dingers. But I've made some offers to a few of the teams that are falling out of contention, 12 teamer. Um, it's so like the bottom three that are kind of out of it or kind of starting to get out of it just for like, you know, a mid round pick. So it'll be like, I don't know, top 200, 250 player. And I still have Adele back in my top, my top 100 overall. Nobody's biting. So you can kind of see like his value in general, I think is pretty low right now. And yeah, maybe we kind of overvalued him last year and year before that hit tool and the approach have kind of limited him. He's not running as much. So I think his value is down from what we thought it could be in general, but still a ton of power. It's going to be a 30 to 40 homer bat. I think the average will be okay. And I think we'll still steal a little bit. So maybe we're looking at like a 260, 30 plus, you know, five to 10 steal guy, which still is pretty valuable in the fantasy world, but maybe he's just not the you know, er, future early round draft pick that we thought he could be. But yeah, he's definitely a great one to buy low now. I still think he's going to be a pretty good fantasy player. Christian Robinson is kind of hard, right? But because we don't know, like he's still, it's like kind of quiet, kind of crickets right now on his situation. He's still not in the U.S. Last time I knew, still dealing with that visa issue. So at the same time, that creates, I think, a good buy low because Robinson is still very talented. He's still that power speed blend. Yeah, does have some issues at the plate that needs to be ironed out. And obviously this visa issue, him not being able to play right now is, is a concern, obviously. But I think people are people are kind of starting to, you know, if you have him, I've seen people like, hey, what do I do? What do I do with Christian Robinson? Like, do I trade him? Do I, I've, I've asked people, ask me if they should drop him. Like, no, don't, don't drop him first off. But people are kind of starting to push the panic button on Christian Robinson. And I think that's the great time to kind of pounce here. Uh, would, would, you, would you be looking to maybe pick him up? Or are you kind of staying away from uh, Christian Robinson here? I mean, I was a little lower on him in general prior but i think i still would like i can't get rid of him i have him in my homekeeper league and i can't get anything for him i can't even get a draft pick so people are just not valuing at all so you can get them probably really really cheap and you know a day ago there was a story that the legal matters are nearing a resolution so i don't know whether that's good or bad but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out at least because we know he had that issue he had the visa issue plus he had the issue of allegedly punching a department of public safety officer, right? Yeah, so that's never good. <laughs> no, right. Those never turn out well. So he's getting to the end of the, the resolution to all this. So we'll be knowing something soon at least, but you know, it, now's a chance at least. So if you want to buy low, you know, if he's clear and he comes back, then the cost is going to go up. So you have to get him soon. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right now is the time. And you know, on the flip side here, if you have some of these guys that people might be looking to buy low from you, don't ever sell like too low, right? Don't just give these players away for nothing, right? Get some approximate value, something that can help your roster, whether it be prospects or a win now piece. Definitely don't just give these guys away just because you think their value is on the decline because you can always get some solid value there, especially on these guys that are still have some, you know, potential long-term potential like k-rob and adele the other two are you looking to buy either the other two chris like for me i i'd be looking to buy downs right now because even though the average has dipped the on base has dipped this year in triple a k rates up a, a bit uh, from previous seasons he's still in 40 games 
Seven home runs, 11 steals, or even caught twice. So that power speed blend is still there. And obviously, you know, future ballpark and lineup coming into play here. And I think obviously Boston always has a good offense. That's a good, I've mentioned in the past, that's a good hitters park in general. And especially, I think it fits his profile well. He, he pulls the ball a lot. I think he's have a lot of doubles of that monster potential 2020 guy, even if he's not more than like a 260, 270 hitter. So if I could buy low on downs, I would. Jones, even though he's kind of has picked it up lately, I still I'm not a big Jones guy. You know, I just don't I see there's a lot of pl- platoon issues there. So I see him kind of not being a great. I think it'll be like a decent enough regular for Cleveland, but I just don't see him being a standout guy. But w- what are your thoughts about these guys? Are you looking to buy low on either? People have completely soured on Nolan Jones. And I was looking over at the last 23 games, which is almost a month now. He's hitting 312. He has a 430 OBP and a 623 slug. And, you know, his normal 14% walk rate way up there, the strikeout rate back down to 21% over that time. I mean, 312 ISO is is really, really good. And he's shown some good speed as well. He's stolen three bags, only three home runs over that span. But Jones has big, big raw power. And, you know, I mentioned, you mentioned the platoon splits, and those are legit. Like, there's definitely reasons to be concerned about that, in my opinion. But still, I think that people have soured so much on Jones at this point, and I don't think they've realized that, you know, because when you look at the surface numbers, they're not great. But you look at what he's done over the last month, essentially, and he's been really good. And Downs is similar. You know, I think Downs is getting a little prospect fatigue at this point. You know, he's a little older. I think he's, what, 24 years old? And I think that it's time for him to get the call and see what he can do. But. No, he's only he's near. Oh, yeah, he's only uh, yeah, he's only twenty three in a few weeks. Yeah, that was on a brain fart there, but um, yeah, still, I mean, it seems like he's kind of floated at the higher levels for a while. I guess he was in Double A at at twenty years old. So time to see what he can do, man. I mean, regardless, you know, he's still seven home runs, eleven steals this year, decent OBP considering the average. He's walked at a good clip. The, the strikeout rate's kind of balloon to 30 percent, which isn't really who he is so i expect that to come down and i think the average will be fine so yeah honestly if you can get any four of these guys on the cheap i'm more than willing to do so yeah that k rate jumping i'm not too concerned about either because you look at the previous two years when he was still um well in the cincinnati and then los angeles dodgers organizations it was like right around 20 percent. it was actually exactly 20 percent in 2019 and the hater underneath 20 percent in 2018 so never and then it was well below 20 percent in, in the rookie ball back in 2017 in the reds organization but yeah that power speed blend i still think he's a good fit you know especially having that type of production from likely second base um that's gonna be a pretty wide open spot for him to take over whether it be later this year early next year we'll see i think that'll be very much performance based how he looks in you know next month month and a half too they bring him up for the stretch run but Definitely still like Jeter Downs more so than Nolan Jones. If you can buy low on Jones, I guess. So I still think there is some upside there. So I guess it'll just depend on the price, but I won't be rushing out to get Nolan Jones personally, but that's just me. I've always been a lower on Jones than most just because of the platoon sweats and his his too patient nature, his passive nature. So um, definitely will look to buy Jones less so than Jeter Downs. But let's go take ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and talk a lot of MLB hitters, guys like Clabber Torres, Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, and many more. So stick with us. 
Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Just get done talking some prospect hitters to buy low on or not to buy low on. So let's move over to the MLB side of things here. We got a lot of names here. Uh, the first one that we have on our list here, former top prospect who both Chris and I, I think I've been kind of backing over the last year, year and a half, telling people like, hey, just be patient with him. The tools are there. Still kind of hasn't had the production fall in line with the tools. That's Gavin Lux. What are your thoughts right now, Chris, Gavin Lux? Because I, I'm still a believer in the tools, but he just hasn't gotten it going yet. Yeah, and I largely thought it was because of playing time. It was like a similar situation to Kyle Tucker several years ago where they just weren't giving him right. the reps, but he's gotten every shot this year. You can't argue that point anymore. I mean, he's he's up near – he's at 272 plate appearances. He struggled. I mean, he's got six home runs and three steals, which is, you know, fine. It's not great, but – you look at the overall line, it's not great of 228, 309, 357. You certainly expect higher in all of those categories. His you look in his O swing has just risen over the last three years. His contact rate is actually, you know, stagnant. I mean, it's where it has been. His zone contact is the highest of his career at 90.4%, which is really, really good. And so it's hard to figure out what's really going on here and why that he's struggling why he's looked to be a below average regular here. And I don't know. I, I still think there's a lot more in the tank that we haven't seen. And I think he's going to come around, but it's certainly concerning to see this. And I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to diagnose exactly what's wrong with him other than he's not hitting the ball hard. Right. You mentioned the, and the contact rates look good. The zone contact at 90.4% is really, really good. I guess he's not hitting the ball hard. And I think that's kind of costing him, but the strikeout rates aren't, obnoxious the wall creates at 10 percent. like there's a lot to like here it's just not producing so i don't know i mean it could dip his value could dip even lower which is kind of crazy but right now maybe a good time to buy it's it's i, I kind of sense kyle tucker all over again where we could be looking back a year or two from now and and wish that you know we had bought more shares in in our leagues yeah for sure and yeah i've really dug into locks here this season and yeah i'm right with you there's nothing there's nothing concerning to me. Like his plate discipline metrics, they're all pretty decent, like right around league average. Some a little above, others a little below. Like he doesn't whiff too much. You know, like you mentioned the zone contact rate is above league average. Even the, the plate, just the plate approach in general, ten point three percent walk rate. That's above league average by close to two percentage points. And K rate is twenty three point two percent, which is. I thought I thought it would be below league average, but league average is according to Savant twenty two percent this year. Uh, so it's a little above, but again, that's not bad. That's it. And he's cut and he's cut that by four point three percent this year. He's, he's actually decreased that K rate in each of his three seasons and improved the walk rate. So overall, the approach is getting better. Now the max exit velo isn't bad one hundred nine seven exit velo ninety point two is slightly above average, but. You know, doesn't really barrel up a lot of pitches right now. 
you know, you mentioned the hard hit rate is kind of middle of the road. I think it's, uh, what is it for percentile right now? 51st percentile overall. And the one thing he says a 96 percentile sprint speed, but only three steals. It's kind of funny that like a Dave Roberts led team and you know, what got Dave Roberts paid was stealing bases for the most part. And he had, you know, the biggest, maybe the biggest stolen base in Red Sox history uh, back in the tw- 2004 playoffs against the Yankees. But his team doesn't really like to steal a lot of bags. I'm surprised they haven't let Lux steal a little bit more. Say only the three steals, even though he has that great sprint speed right now. But yeah, I get, I'm not losing faith, but I, like you mentioned that playing time, that built in kind of excuse that we were using. Can't use that anymore. Like you said, like he's playing basically every day and just hasn't produced. He hasn't been terrible. Though 237, 315, 367 is not great by any means, but it's not like he's been absolutely atrocious. Like a lot of these metrics are middle of the road, but I just want to see more. Like he's capable of more in the power department. I really think that. I still think he can be a 25 homer bat, steal 15 bases with a good average, good OBP. But right now, it's just really concerning that he just hasn't put it together. And it's kind of frustrating because, like you mentioned, like I mentioned, we can't find anything that really points like, all right, he fixes that. And he'll get there. Like with Vlad, uh, he gets the launch angle up. He'll get there. Like there's not that one thing you can pinpoint with Gavin Lux that kind of shows like, all right, that that's why he's kind of performing, you know, not up to par right now. So, um, but with all that said, I would buy low on Gavin Lux. I still am I'm a believer. At least that he's gonna be better than he is now. And I think people are kind of prospect fatigue. You know, even though he's not a prospect anymore, it kind of set in with him. Uh, maybe like, oh, maybe he's not gonna be as good as he's gonna be. And you can get him for a pretty decent cost right now. So definitely would still go out and buy low on Gavin Lux. Uh, moving to a slightly older gentleman here, Anthony Rendome. He Chris, he hasn't really been the same guy since he went from the Nationals out west to the Angels, signing that big contract. He wasn't good last year, and he has been even worse this year. 240, 329, 382. You know, he's still showing a great plate approach. But it's like that power has kind of gone by the wayside. The hard hit rate's down, you know, slugging's down. A lot of you know, exit velocity is down a little bit. He did, he was never a huge power guy. These aren't like drastic drop-offs, but he just isn't impacting the ball as much anymore. What are your thoughts on him? And would you be looking to target him right now? I don't know. He's a tough one, and he keeps getting injured. He, he left today's game again with I know with hamstring tightness. And you wonder he, if it's just Injuries piling up that's causing him to might be. He's always dinged up. There's always something with him. Like he's like battling through it or just got over it or something. Yeah. And he, he's not old. Like he's he just turned 31. So that's not really old. And I don't know. He hasn't been the same. You look at that 2019 year, his contract year where he was just absolutely elite. And he hasn't even been close to that again. Like I mean, 34 home runs, 117 runs, 126 RBI, 319, 412. 598 he hadn't sniffed it again and really that was like that looks to be a huge anomaly in his career right now and you know i think he's going back to being a 20 to 25 home run type guy and you know the hit tools even regressed because even in those years prior he still was a 300 hitter like that's always what he had going for him then we add that power with the hit i'm like man like this guy's something but now i think the hit tool has regressed and he's not the same guy for whatever reason, maybe it's a lingering injury. He's chasing a lot more. I think that has to do with it. The, the contact rates are down a little bit. This own contact, especially which he really excelled at in the past. 
you know, honestly, he's hitting more fly balls. There's not resulting in home runs. And, you know, his home run to fly ball rate is a little low at 6.2%. His career is 11%. So that should, you know, tick up and we'll see some more home runs, but he's just not hitting the ball hard this year. And I wonder if there's some underlying injuries that are causing it. So I don't know. I struggle. I sold him a lot of places early on this year in dynasty leagues. I had him and I've, you know, kind of been fortunate for that, but I, I, he's not somebody I'm going out of my way to target right now. Yeah, same here. And let me just correct myself really quick. Um, his surface stats last year were, were still pretty solid, like 286, 418, 497, nine home runs, 52 games. Uh, what, I, what I was mentioning, but I kind of worded it wrong, was that his kind of the underlying metrics all kind of started going down. The barrel rate got cut in half. Uh, the hard hit rate went down six percentage points. So uh, all the, uh, you know, the XBA, X slug, they all started ten, uh, trending down here. So even though he was still putting up good surface stats last year, there were some signs that you know he, that maybe a decline was coming or he was battling through injuries, but yeah, I just don't think I think he'll still be decent. I but is he going to return to the three hundred plus hitter, thirty home run guy? No, I don't think so. Like he's on the wrong side of thirty, and there's a lot of miles on him. Like even though he's just thirty one, which isn't too old, with what he's kind of battled through, he almost feels like he's more like 34, 35 to me. Maybe that's just how I think. Well, just with all those injuries that he's had, he feels like he's an old 31. We'll put it that way. So I would look to buy low on him, but he's not one that like I, I'm kind of with you, Chris. I'm not like rushing out to get Anthony Rendon right now. Cause I, I do think there's some concerns here that he's the, the best we've seen from Rendon is behind him. And the same can be said about this next guy who I wrote an article about, uh, I don't know, about a month or so ago, Gleyber Torres who <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Like, Glaber Torres had that great 2019. Uh, most of that was against Baltimore, yes. But 38 home runs back in 2019 was a mediocre player 2020 and just as mediocre this year. Like, a lot of the underlying metrics are pretty similar to last year. Doesn't barrel the ball up. Is exit velocity. You think laboratories, you think power. It's bottom 6% of the league exit velocity. Hard hit rate, 32.8%. Never even had, even when he was good, his quality of contact metrics were not that great. They were like middle of the road. I'm not, like, if I was looking to buy low, like, I'm not. But if someone was, I think the cost, whatever the person that has Torres would ask for, is still too high. I think he's a mediocre average hitter. That just gets kind of propelled up. He's oh, he's a shortstop of the Yankees. Oh, Derek Jeter. So I'm not looking to buy. I don't know. What what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, he's tough. And I don't know. I've struggled with him. But you mentioned he's never really been a stack has He's never really hit the ball hard. And his 2019 season where he, you know, hit 38 home runs and hit 278, he hit 17 of those against Baltimore. And when you take out those numbers, which I know that's nitpicking, but when you take out those numbers against Baltimore, like his batting average is like was like 260 or lower that year. I, I had calculated at one point. I don't have it in front of me, but I just don't think he's a great hitter. I think he's an average hitter, and he has average power at best, and he's shown well below average power the last two years. And I don't know. I like to think things are looking up because they can't really get much worse at this point. I just don't see a lot going for him. You, you look at his average exit velocity, like Victor Robles level stuff at, at 85 miles an hour. Like that's bad. You know, 
Max EV of 109 is not good. The launch angle is perfect. You know, ideal at 13.4 degrees. I like that. Hitting the sweet spot at 35%, that's good. But he's just not hitting the ball hard. So it doesn't matter. He doesn't barrel up the ball at all. So it's affecting him. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of stuff's in line with what it has been. He's, you know, actually lowered his strikeout rate throughout his career. He's seen his walk rate go up. He's, I think he's gotten a little passive, which has caused him to get deeper into counts and hurt him. I'd rather just see him be aggressive. But he's chasing less. He's making more contact. He's making more zone contact. I don't know. His profile's weird. And that's all I can really say about it is, you know, you, you look in early on his career, like I think he had an inflated home run to fly ball rate. And especially in 2019 when he just dominated Baltimore at 21.5%, that's a good home run to fly ball rate. But we see that from like really good power hitters. And then last year at 7.1% and this year at 4.3%. I think he's just going to be more of like a 10% home run to fly ball guy. And I just don't think the power's there. And I think he's just like a 250 to 260 hitter that's going to hit 15 to 20 home runs. And I don't think he's going to steal you many backs. So I just don't think he's that fantasy relevant. Yeah. He just, uh, he just, every time I open up my, my uh, dynasty ranking spreadsheet that I have in my laptop, I just move him 15 spots lower every time just out of instinct. And he just, nothing about him is impressive. Like, I, okay. The, the approach is, is still pretty good. You know, 11.6% walk rate, 20.1% strikeout rate. The approach is good. I'll, I'll give him that. But everything else, like we've mentioned it. Like, look at his XBA year by year. 252, 255, 243, 244. X-Log, 455, 487. Decent. Then 381 last year, 382 this year. It's like x Robicons below average. Hard hit rates. It's just like <laughs> nothing stands out. And he's not good. He's actually pretty solid against off-speed pitches, like 270 against off-speed, 308 against breaking balls. But when he hits 205 against fastballs, that's kind of odd. He gets beat by velocity a good amount. Pitchers are throwing more fastballs to him this year than, than they did last year. I think that's easy to pick up. So, um, yeah, not a lot here. Like you, you can comb through his Fangraphs page, his Savant page, or the fine-tooth comb, and you're not going to find anything that encourages you that this big turnaround is coming back to the Gliber that some people thought he could be when he, you know, had that 38 home run season back in 2019. So I'm not looking to buy low, because like I said, I think whatever the price tag is, is probably going to be higher than he's worth at this point, which is, I don't even know he's top 200 anymore. He's moving way down my rankings. I might even cut him in redraft leagues. (laughs) Like that's depends on what you, what you have, how deep the league is obviously, but 10, 12 teamers, he's, borderline cut material at this point because i don't see this turning around anytime soon uh moving on here to a couple of mets that are having below average seasons here pete alonzo michael conforto conforto okay below average for alonzo that's fair to say conforto has just been not michael conforto this year and so the pete alonzo even though he's having a down year is still like worth starting in most leagues but michael conforto he, he was injured earlier in the season and he just hasn't really looked the same this year. And 143 at bats, slashing 210, 337, 301 with two home runs, two home runs in 43 games. The approach is still good. You know, he's still walking over 10%, not checking out a ton, but the power has just disappeared. You know, are you more out of these two Mets, Chris? Is there one that you're more confident in turning it around and providing the value that we thought they could provide? Yeah, so if I had to pick one, you know, it, it'd probably be Alonzo. It's because when you look at what he's done, you know, he hasn't been that bad. He, he's underperformed, in my opinion, especially when you look at guys like, you know, 
Shohei Otani, who's at 31 home runs so far. And you look at Pete Alonso, who has some of the best power in the game. He has just 15 so far and a 255 batting average. Like the batting average is what you would expect. Like this is who Pete Alonso is. He's going to be a you know, 260 type hitter. He, I don't think he's going to be much better than that. But he's been trending up. He's hitting the ball extremely hard. I mean, his average exit velocity is 95th percentile in 93.2 miles per hour, which is actually three miles an hour up from what it was the last two seasons, which is nuts. And you look at his barrel weight of 15%. It's good. The max EV is top, you know, top of the league. Launch angle is perfect at 16 degrees. Things that you like to see. So I'm hoping the power comes back around. You know, he's seen his strikeout rate even dip. So let's hope he continues making contact and gets it going because I think Alonzo is still that legit power guy. And he's not going to give you a ton of average, like I said, but he can still be extremely solid. And with Conforto, I don't know. I just wonder if the injuries kind of lingered. He struggled even before his injury this year. He he just wasn't barreling the ball well. And I wonder if there were some underlying things. But he's just been kind of putrid. Like you said, there's been no power. Two home runs and 172 plate appearances is just not great. His contact, you know, zone contact especially is way down. Considering his overall contact rate stayed, you know, pretty stagnant with where he was in the past. He's hitting the ball on the ground a lot more, which is noticeable. And you know, it kind of resembles to me like what happened to Chris Bryant when Bryant was dealing with those injuries and just yeah. you know, power was zapped and there wasn't much going for him. So I don't know if he turns around this year, but he could be a great buy low for the future. But I don't really see it turning around this year for Conforto, at least to the level we want it to be. Right. Yeah. Conforto just doesn't look right. And I kind of agree. Like something's lingering there. I don't know what I don't know what exactly it is. I haven't really heard much about it, but I think definitely something is affecting him. So this year, probably chuck it up, chalk it up to a down year, lost year, whatever you want to call it. Long term, I still believe in Conforto though, but at the same time, maybe he's one of these guys who are kind of these types of guys that I mentioned back in the off season when we were talking about how you know what players would be affected by you know the less bouncy ball. And, you know, he never, even though he had some good power numbers on the surface in the past, he was never one to have, like, the huge exit velos. Like, he hasn't eclipsed 90, uh, 90 miles an hour average exit velo since 2016. It's been, like, 88, 89 miles an hour in that range. Hard hit, mid to upper 30%, you know, percentage right there. So, he's never been a huge, like, light up the savant page and red type of guy. So, I wonder if he's just, you know, what we've seen from him, you know, in the past couple of years you know 2018 2019 maybe that's the best that we'll see from him in 2020 even he had a pretty good year so plate approach is still solid so that's at least there. walk rates actually had a career high right now 13.4 percent he's cut the strikeout right down to 22.7 percent you know max exit below 110 so the power is just not there and i don't know if it'll be there this year i agree with you there so i would buy low on him i actually might look to buy low on him more than alonzo it's just because I kind of do agree with one point you made about Alonzo. I think this is what he is. So I, I wonder how much you really can buy low. Like if you, how much of a discount you can really get and get a good return on investment, because I don't think he's going to be like that rookie year of his, that might be his career, his best year of his career. I think that's a distinct possibility where he had 53 home runs. I think he's kind of, 35 homer type, 250, 260 hitter. He's 253 for his career. I think that's very in line with what he can be moving forward. You know, he walks a decent amount. So, you know, always have a decent enough OBP with good power. But outside of that, like he's kind of a back end top 100 guy, I think for me at this point. And I don't see that really 
you know, going anywhere. I think he's going to be one of those guys year in, year out, good power, kind of meh, <laughs> rest of the way. So I don't know if I would, you know, depending on what the price is, obviously, that always depends on the price. But I just don't know if I can get a good discount on him to you know have a good bounce back or anything like that. So I think I might lean more towards Conforto here. But if you can get Alonzo for a good discount, I probably would. Because I don't think he's a, you know one of the best power hitters in the game, obviously. He's no Shohei Otani. He's no Vlad Jr., but still a, a good power hitter. Tier below those guys. Uh, moving on here out of New York to, you know, not, not too far down the interstate, down I-95, down to Philadelphia. I think I-95 goes to Philly. I don't know. Maybe not. But <laughs> a little bit down the East Coast, we'll say, to Philadelphia. Alec Baum has bombed this year. because <laughs> no other way to put it after a... You know, pretty good rookie year that was kind of it was promising. It wasn't great, but you know, we saw the potential there, saw the, the tools that made him one of the top prospects in the game. And this year he has just absolutely floundered. He has as many home runs this year and 301 plate appearances as he did last year, 180. You know, the power not being there is one thing, but the plate approach and the contact skill is a gone in the toilet like, i don't know i don't know what happened with him he's chasing more the strikeout rates way up the walk rates down contact rates are down man chris are you how worried are you about bomb when you still look to buy lower are you more concerned here well i mean the hit tools come alive a little bit over the last month he's he hit 300 which is great but there's zero power and you look at a guy's size and he should generate more natural power than he does i mean I think it's slightly concerning that his power looks below average when he's 6'5", 220. And, you know, the natural game and raw power, I think, should be plus, in my opinion. But he's just not showing it. And I think that that's concerning. Could he still grow into it? Certainly. But I think there's a lot of flaws here, and it starts with him hitting the ball on the ground too much. Yeah, it's good. Yep. 53% is not going to play, even if he's hitting the ball hard. I mean, which he's not really doing, but still. He's just drilling into the ground when he does, and – 19% fly ball rate, 27% line drive rate. That's those aren't great. And you look at from last year, this year, the con especially the zone contact. He's getting exploited more in the zone. And I partially wondered if he would be one of those that step up his game a little bit as we saw pitchers kind of begin to struggle without the sticky stuff. And we saw spin rate step, but he hasn't. So I don't know what to make of him. He's just not someone I'm looking to go out of my way to get because I don't know. He may get dropped in a, in a lot of different formats, so you might could pick him up because he's just not showing any promise. And, you know, I think the upside's there for him, but he's just not showing it at all. I mean, a .083 ISO is just not great, Bob. So. <laughs> not not great, Bob. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Like, yeah, he's still, like, the XF velocity is actually top 7 percentile, hard hit rate 89th percentile. So, like, the maybe the quality of contact like the xf velocity is, is pretty good but like you mentioned right into the ground and even though he does have four steel this year bomb is not a very fast guy like he's just not it says 70 percentile sprint speed but i, I don't i don't believe that like, bombs is not a speed guy so when you're not a speed guy and you're hitting the ball into the ground that much it's just not a recipe for success yeah Maybe he just has to get the launch angle up. Obviously, the launch angle is only four point six degrees. Though last year it was only four point eight, and he was never really a you know high fly ball rate guy in the minor leagues either. Better than this, uh, better than what was it eighteen or nineteen percent? Uh, I think it was more like in the mid to upper thirties, which is better, not great, but better. I don't know. He's 
I'm still encouraged that he's still at least making good quality of contact, at least in terms of the exit velo, hard hit rate, etc. But you know, this right into the ground for the most part. I know the XBA is pretty good. Like he's he's gotten a little unlucky, probably because he's been hitting the ball on the ground so much. Um, but the XBA is 279, 81st percentile. So that's still pretty solid. But one thing that just concerns me the most outside of the ground ball rate is just that his plate approach, which is one of the things he was kind of lauded for at the draft, like being you know a, a good walk rate guy, doesn't chase too much. The fact that his walk rate has dipped 2.6%. His K rate has gone up 6.2%. That's just not bomb. Like that whiff rate is you know above, or should I say below league average. Um, contact skills have kind of flat, like his zone context gone down right around 7%. It's just not good. So I, I would buy low. This is, there are some you know signs that he could turn it around here. So I would buy low and bomb. Um, but Chris, if you had to pick one to buy low on right now, who would you rather have moving forward, Glaber Torres or Alec Baum? Uh, that's tough. <laughs> uh, I Chris don't like, like C, neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. But <sighs> I'm, I'm a little more confident in Baum, a little bit. I was leaning that way. I just don't think. I don't know. I think Bohm has a better hit tool, so that's kind of where I lean. And I think I think he has, he like he has a little more raw power potential too. I think he can develop the power. Yeah, I could see you know the Freddie Freeman route. I don't think he's going to get to that level, but you know he's a bigger guy that developed power into his career. Yeah, he, and he someone needs to get on base from my boy Bryce Harper here. I'm tired of seeing all these solo home runs from my fantasy team here. It's every time he hits a home run, it's solo shot. Somebody get on base. Gene Segura, McCutcheon, Boom. Somebody freaking get on base here for my boy Bryce. Um, somebody's got to step up. But moving on here, a few more names here before we get out of here. Let's go into some of the, the names that uh, the listeners here, we put up that tweet earlier today. We had four names that really kind of stood out among the others here that people wanted to hear about. Andrew Vaughn, Ian Happ, Brandon Lau, and Victor Robles. We, we talked about Victor Robles a bunch. I guess we can kind of focus on the other three here. Andrew Vaughn uh, is kind of, he's kind of like Garrett, uh, uh, sorry, not Garrett, like Gavin Lux. Like, be patient with him. He'll get it going. And he always would show those brief signs of getting it going and then going to a rut. You know, overall, you know, the numbers aren't great so far. 246, 316, 433. They're not terrible, but, you know, eight home runs in 68 games. He has gone and going lately here. He's had some multi-hit games over the last, you know, couple of weeks. Getting the average up a little bit here was down in the two twenties. Over the last uh, twenty-eight days, hitting two eighty-four. Last fourteen days, three hundred three with a couple of home runs, four seventy-four over the last week. So he is starting to get hot now. So hopefully, this is a sign of things to come. But I think his value has dipped to a point where he's a very good buy low. And I'm still as in on Vaughn now as I was, you know, six months ago. My opinions have not changed about him. So if you can buy low, I definitely would. Chris, do you agree with that? Or are you kind of more concerned about what you've seen from Vaughn so far this year? No, I'm not concerned. I think there's some growing pains. And like you said, he's really coming into his own. So the con, I mean, he's making good contact. He's hitting the ball hard. He'll come around and he has been coming around. So. Now, I'm pretty confident that if you can happen to buy him low in a dynasty, I would do that. I don't I don't think you can. Like he's not one of these guys that's been bad for long enough to warrant that because you know the name value and the prospect value with him. But yeah, if he comes at any discount, I'm willing to buy him. I think he definitely could. I think 
I don't know. It's from what I've seen. People seem to be a little concerned about Vaughn. Yeah, it won't be a huge discount, but I think you can definitely get him for like 90 cents on the dollar right now. And like I said, I'm still as in on Andrew Vaughn as I was, you know, before the season, before he debuted. So definitely go out and get Andrew Vaughn if possible. Uh, another hitter here that I'm much more concerned about and who's, who's had an absolutely atrocious season, Ian Happ. He was a popular kind of draft day darling this spring, you know, kind of after his uh, solid performance last year, especially the end of the season. Everyone's kind of picking him to be another breakout outfielder this year, leading you know, leading off for the Cubs. It was all there, right? But my word, 186, 297, 340, nine home runs in 70 games. The approach has gone in the tank, even though the walk rate is still there. K rate's gone up. The power's gone down. A lot of things bad here for Ian Happ. Are you looking to buy low, Chris? I don't I don't know if I am, man. Like, ah. I still like Ian Happ. I think he's obviously better than this, but I don't know. There's a lot of concerns here for me. Man, I bought low before the season started, and Ray Jack leagues are like, man, he's a great value, but he's been terrible. I don't know if there's any other way to put it, which is interesting because he's making you know, better contact than he has at any point in his career except 2019, which was just you know 156 plate appearances. He's a tough one, man. Again, he's another one he's seen his ground ball rate spike. You know, Over the last three years, his ground ball rate's gone actually forward. He was at... 2018 was at 39.6%, jumped to 42.6, 45.2, and now 49%. And, you know, that that definitely hurts his home run power. He's got just nine. I think he's got upside to hit 25 with a decent batting average. Like, I don't think he's going to – he's never a guy that was going to hit, you know, 275 or up. I think he like a 260 was reasonable with good power and decent speed. But he's not really giving you any of that. There's not good power. I'm kind of out on him. I'm not really looking to buy at this point. Yeah, no, I'm not either. It's just looking at his underlying metrics. He's struggling against all three pitch types. He's hitting under 200 against fastballs, breaking balls, and off-speed. The XBAs are a little higher, but barely over 200 in all three. The power isn't there. The whiff rates are, are pretty high in all three pitch types. So it just hasn't clicked this year for Ian Happy, even though the quality of contact is still all right. But like you mentioned, the ground balls, the, the approach, the high strikeout rates, I'm um, still walking a decent amount. He's always been a decent walk rate guy, so that helps. But, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot that makes me want to rush out there and get Ian Happ, though. Uh, two more names here. Uh, so Victor Robles, Brendan Lau. Brendan Lau has had a weird season. Like, he's still hitting for a good amount of power. Uh, he has 16 home runs so far, but the average has been extremely low, um, extremely loud, I should say. I don't know, bad, bad joke there. But, yeah, Brendan Lau has just not been what people he was a top 100 draft pick hitting 204. You know, everything else is still like I say, he's still hitting for power. He's on like a 30 home run pace right now on pace for around 80 RBI, 80 runs scored. Yeah, he's adding in a little bit of speed, walking over 10% of the time, but the strikeout rate is high. The contact rates are low. So I don't know. I think I would buy low on Lau here. It's because at least the power still there. Some promising things in terms of the walk rate, but I don't know. It, it would depend on the cost for me. But what, what are your thoughts on Brendan Lau, Chris? I think he's going to become a platoon player. That's the, that's the worry. Yeah, his splits are terrible. I mean, he's got a 105 batting average against lefties this year. That's not good at all. I'm surprised they haven't. They're still running him out there against lefties. The, the fact that he's got 
I mean, he's got 89 plate appearances against lefties. He's striking out 42% of the time against lefties, 179 OBP, 256 slug. Just four of his home runs have come against lefties. I don't know. I don't know how he still plays. You know, at least on the positive, he's a strong side platoon. So he's going to get a good amount of at bats because he's going to face righties most of the time. But still, I don't know. I, I struggle to know what to do with him. But those splits just scare me away from him. And I owned him in one redraft league and traded him away pretty quick just because I didn't really love what I was seeing. So the contact rates are are pretty bad. And again, I'm not loving it. Last year, I mean, we saw some good signs out of him. We saw an improved, you know, batting average and even from 2019 as well. So you combine 2019 and 2020, and he had a very solid stat line. But even like you mentioned, the power's been good. He's even chipping in some steals, but He's kind of hurting you on the batting average side. So maybe it's a benefit if he doesn't play against lefties. I don't know, but yeah, maybe you, yeah. you got You got to wonder too, like once, you know, uh, Bruhan comes up at some point and Lau and, and Xavier Edwards, who, you know, he, like he's a little further away. You got to wonder if that, that, that finally is the time when they start putting him strictly platooning against right-handed pitchers. We'll see, but, or maybe they deal him away. They might deal him away too. Who knows? It's, it's the Rays, but um, yeah. So definitely some concerns there. At least he's still hitting for power. So I think I'd still would buy low a little bit. But again, he's not another one. I'm not like super, you know, intrigued by moving forward here. Last player, I'm completely out on at this point. I I'm done trying to defend Victor Robles. I'm done trying to find reasons to buy. Victor Robles. I know people still want to believe because of the prospect pedigree. You know, he was a top five, top ten prospect for a few years, and had you know all the tools were there to be a impact fantasy guy, twenty thirty type with a good average. And I'm just done. It, I'm just done with it. He, I can't find any reasons here. Like the contact, we we talked about the you know all the quality of contact. It's been crap. His you know contact skills in general have been crap. At least the walk rate has jumped this year and the K rate has gone down. That at least is promising, but I'm I'm not going to let that drag me back into defending Victor Robles because he doesn't barrel the ball. The quality of contact metrics are total garbage. It's, I just don't see it. He's not running as much as he's, you know, seven steals. That's decent, but not what we thought. I don't know. Do you see anything here, Chris, that makes you want to go out and get him? Or are you just out at this point like I am? I mean, he's not even really that successful in the base pass. Like, I know. You know could he at least provide steals? <laughs> the one, the one thing we thought he could be good in, at least still, he's not. Right. He's got seven stolen bases, which is fine. But he's been caught five times, and he's killing you everywhere else. He's like, I, I don't even know, Billy Hamilton, but not even Billy Hamilton good. So, like, when you drafted Billy Hamilton, at least he gave you steals. Like, he's not giving you any power. The batting average is putrid. Like you mentioned, the, the walk rate. He's got a higher OBP than, than slugging percentage. He got 333 OBP and a three. That's usually not good. No, that's a terrible sign. And it's funny because his chase rate's way down. I guess that factors into his walk rate jumping up. But even the contact, the zone contact is way up, but the quality of contact is terrible. And I don't know. I'm I'm just not seeing anything worthy of me trying to go out and get him. And it's funny we're talking about all these guys are struggling, and somehow my TGFBI team is still performing decently with Glaber Torres, Victor Robles, like all <laughs> these guys are just absolutely terrible. So, 
yeah, I, I'm out. Like I'm on the verge of cutting him and Glaber in a 15 team or 450 people are rostered. That's how I feel about him. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. I I have a few shares of it. The Road Boys. Uh, I think I think I have two off the top of my head. I think I have two shares. I believe they're both in Dynasty and not redraft. But yeah, it's been rough. Like I said, there's nothing left that I can use to defend him anymore. And yeah, I, I have Glaber Torres in a ton of leagues, and unfortunately, <laughs> I, I don't know why. I never was a big Glaber guy. But I had him in several leagues this year, few redraft, few dynasty. I've gotten rid of him in a few, but I'm I'm stuck with him in another few. But yeah, what do, what do you think, Victor Robles' dynasty rank? Is he still? I don't know, top two fifty. That's kind of what came to mind for me. I thought that was kind of the threshold. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's yeah. I think he's two hundred to two fifty range, but I can't but go any higher. Definitely trending down. Like he's gonna need to show me something here soon. The benefit for Victor Robles is that the NAT system is absolute junk with nobody really like they're going out. They're starting Alex Avila at second base instead of calling up Carter Keyboom. That shows me they're not confident in Carter Keyboom at all. Uh, and there's no other, you know, their top, most of their top prospects are mostly pitchers at this point, And all their top hitting prospects are mostly in the lower levels, you know, low A or high A. So it's not like there's anybody really threatening his job that are making him a full-time bench guy, but they do get a lot of money there in Washington. They always have. So maybe they go out this offseason buy, or maybe even this trade deadline, you know, get some pieces. But yeah, I, I just don't see Victor. I think he's going to be a fourth outfielder at some point if he doesn't turn it around in a hurry. So definitely 100% avoiding Victor Robles. But all right, that's going to wrap up this episode. That was another fun episode this week. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope everyone enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com and over on our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. We, we will be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care. following is an actor portrayal with kindly assisted living and memory care at asbury methodist village in montgomery county you can anticipate more but don't take our word for it my dad moved to kindly and loved it his apartment was spacious sunny and overlooked parkland it was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at kindly enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services too visit kindly at asbury.org today equal opportunity housing provider 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.